Uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. This is episode 14 of The Glory in Our Stories. I am currently sitting across uh, from uh, one of the most talented artists I've ac- actually had the pleasure of of meeting, um, Lauren Carley, is that right? Yes. Um, sitting beside her is her, her husband, Keevan Carley. Um, I actually met these two guys maybe a couple of years ago. First time I met Lauren, we were actually outside um, University Village. And it was a basketball goal behind the building. And out of boredom, I walked over there to hopefully, had plans of being by myself, <laughs> but I heard a basketball bouncing and it was a young lady. So I was like, well, that's different. So... <laughs> Uh, she started shooting around, and I don't even think we actually talked. No, it was. We didn't. It was awesome silence. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and it was like, well, I gotta go. Bye. And that was you. You mm-hmm. just left. And I think you don't want to hit a basketball, so I had to oh, go back yeah. in the house. I don't right. think I had one. So that was a bummer. <laughs> um, but I think it was maybe a few years, a few years down the line. I came across one of her art pieces. I'm not sure what it was. And then later, I saw a mural that you painted. Um, I forgot where it was. It was for a specific facility. And um, it was the portrait of a young woman. It looked like a sports facility. Okay, was it a skate park, maybe? I think so. And her hair, she was in the corner, but her hair yes. was consuming. Well, yes. Yeah. And at that moment, I was like, no, that she couldn't have done that. Because <laughs> I've never seen you do art in person. So to be exposed to that, because that's, that requires you to go to a specific part of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, back when I was in high school, I only used to draw like my hand. And I occasionally I drew faces. And the only, and I would come across different art students that had the ability to use different mediums. And I, I was okay with acrylic, but when it came to watercolor, that was it. When I, when I experienced with watercolor, I said, that's it, I'm not painting anymore. Yeah. So I'm just gonna stick to writing. But to be able to do that and manipulate the colors in such a way where what you see in your head is exactly what you can put in front of you. That is, a, that is a gift and a talent that I've always admired people for, especially my mom, because she used to do that. And my mom, and we will get to this later, um, I'm talking too much, so I'm going to go ahead and start interviewing her. But um, I guess the first question would be, where were you born? And what was your, your upbringing like? Okay. Um, I was born in Germany, actually, um, but I was only there for a year because my parents were in the military. Um, but yeah, I was born there and then I moved to the States with my parents. And I was a pretty cliche like military brat. Like I would stay somewhere for two years and then we'd move. I think the longest I stayed in anywhere was Hawaii, which was three years, um, which I loved. It's a huge part of my childhood that I loved, but, um, I mean, my parents were always, I mean, they, they treated me like really good parents. I mean, I don't feel like I had any hard times. I wasn't, 
um, like in a tough predicament as a kid. I mean, I, I think I was very cushioned, but like in a good way. Mm-hmm. Not sheltered necessarily, but I mean, it was great, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's funny, a lot of people I've met, their place, well, place of birth when it comes to military, majority of the time is Germany. Mm-hmm. And I just, and uh, some people tell me two years, some people say three. What's the, does it alter or is it? Um, I think my parents were there for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was born first. He's older, <laughs> obviously. Um, but I think they were there for three years. I don't, I think that's just average um, assignment length of time. It's like two to three years, sometimes mm-hmm. one. Like mm-hmm. I lived in Rhode Island for a year, for example. And that's just because my dad was at the War College for a year. So, I don't know why Germany... It could be our age group, though, because there was a specific time where um, I think the U.S. was very, like, prominent about having people go over there Yeah. as far as deployment. Was that... I'm not trying to tell you age. Um, <laughs> between 85 and mid-90s? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in those years that you just said. <laughs> Somewhere in between there. Um, But now that we're on the subject, I cannot give blood because on the specific paper or whatever, because I tried to again recently, actually yesterday I tried to give blood and they said I could not because I was born within a specific time frame in Germany. And it's because of mad cow disease. It's what they tell me. I do not have mad cow disease. (laughs) But I still can't give blood because of that. Which is odd because you're in the medical field. Yes, I am. <laughs> and I still don't know my blood type. My parents don't know. Oh, so. The- and I can't give blood, so it's not like they're going to say, oh, yeah, you're this blood type, so we'll mark you down for that. So if you. Would that affect you all if you have children? No. I mean, I would hope they'd tell me my blood type. They need to know as far as RH thing. Hmm. I've never heard that before. So what were your your parents? What do you mean? What were they? uh, Because you mentioned, man, it was a few years ago, I think your dad was applying for a position because I ran into you on campus. Mm-hmm. He said something about your dad. Oh, he retired. Yes. He retired, and now he works in, um, I think it's called telecommunications. Mm-hmm. It's some type of um, company, and he explains it to me all the time, and I still cannot wrap my brain around exactly what he does. <laughs> um, but he deals a lot with cybersecurity type things. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily specific like the cybersecurity that they're gonna have in Augusta, I don't, do they have that yet? Not yet, but the, uh, the church that I was visiting, the cyber command, they said that's that's happening pretty soon. Right, it's not yeah. with them, but it, I think it's dealing with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he got the job. Oh, he's, that's <laughs> he awesome. interviewed for it, um, and they hired him pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So that was very good for him because he was stressed out. I mean, if you're in the military for 30-something years, 
was more than half your life and all of a sudden you're out of it it's like oh my gosh <laughs> so he's he's enjoying it yeah he likes it so far i think he's been doing it maybe for a year and a half close to two years now now was there a restriction as far as him spending time with you all when he was in the military or were y'all able to um as far as I can feel from my own personal like experiences I feel like I was such a daddy's girl that Mm -hmm. even if he was away it wasn't like oh my gosh like what am I gonna do it was just like as soon as he came back it was like he never left yeah now I will say the hardest time was I was in eighth grade and um, it was right after 9-11 and I remember watching the news with my parents that night because obviously it happened in the morning but when I got home and I was like so you know not knowing anything about life really I mean (laughs) as a middle schooler it's like so what happens next and my dad just shook his head and looked at the TV he's like we're going to war like before it was even announced before any orders for the invasion announced, he said that's exactly what's going to happen, and it's sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And he was in the initial invasion, um, and that was probably the scariest moment I've had as a daughter. So how long was he gone? Um, he was gone, I believe, for six months the first time. Uh, and I, we didn't hear from him a lot at all, actually, while he was there, which was very hard for me. I mean, my mom might have been a different story, um, but I, I only remember hearing him from, like, maybe two or three times. Oh, I focused from two of them. Yeah. For what time? I booked it for six thirty to eight. I usually get this wrong. That was, that was odd. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, we um. So the, see the initial fleet. So that was what September. So it was basically two months afterwards. Mm-hmm. That was pretty immediate. I remember I was in. Not to tell you age again, I was in tenth grade. I okay. remember that, and I remember they had the. Uh, television open they had the television up because he's usually how they you know how they roll the television in a little stay in they have like the VCR at the bottom mm-hmm. and they use it for um, showing movies or anything pertaining to class and actually I think we had, actually think it was the TV on the wall and I didn't know what was going on and nobody else did and I thought it was obviously an accident something that happened and maybe a part of the building just blew up but I didn't understand the severity of that now the concept of the military living in Thompson not a lot of people who lived in Thompson were either retired military or anything I didn't know about any of that until I got to Augusta but this is like the the center of the military establishment as far as Georgia Um, I recently learned about Fort Bragg and I other, lived there too. Really? 
um, Adrian's mom's, no, her stepfather was stationed there. And see, now he's coming back from Korea because of, you know. Yes. So, but fortunately, he only had to stay there a year. And something happened where he was okay to come back home, but now he's training somebody before he comes back. I think he's going to be stationed here before he retires. I think he's probably been in there almost 30 years. I'm not sure, but he's pretty young. But um, but if, as far as your, your schooling, at what point did you get introduced to art? Or is this something that you've always been fond of? That, okay, so... As far as my memory is concerned, I only started getting interested in art in high school. Mm-hmm. Now, my parents can tell you a different story, including my uncle Bobby, actually. He has a video of me, I think I was four or five, maybe, and um, I was apparently painting on his license plate with watercolor, your favorite medium. Ooh. <laughs> And he just had me, you know, smiling in the video, and I'm just painting away. Um, But, I mean, I have very faint memories of things like, um, for Halloween, for example, I can't, I could not tell you what grade I was in. I know it was in elementary school, Mm -hmm. but there was a contest for um, best pumpkin, like, pattern. Mm -hmm. Whoever got selected, the teacher was going to carve it on the pumpkin for their specific pumpkin design and I remember winning it and I just didn't think it was a big deal it's like okay (laughs) that's pumpkin design (laughs) cool (laughs) um but I mean my mom said like even in in pre-k she would the teacher would show her like some of my artwork and my mom's like okay she's this girl coloring on the thing she's like no but look at the other students and she would show the other student stuff compared to mine and she'd be like your daughter's younger than these people. Like, stuff like that, I didn't I didn't know about. But it wasn't until high school. Um, I was always a new student, so it was in Virginia specifically. Um, and a lot of my friends at the time were into, you know, drugs and drinking and going out and partying. And I'm like, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> it wasn't, well, I'm a Christian now, but back then it wasn't because I was a Christian it was because I had anxiety and I didn't want to be in settings like that because I feel like there's just too much going on and I'd rather just be invisible somewhere (laughs) um so I'll never forget the first person I ever tried to draw was Lloyd Banks (laughs) yes I I I I tried drawing him did you really so weird yes I did he's got a face that needs to be drawn apparently wow (laughs) Um, but I was at home one day and I was like, I'm bored. I was bored out of my mind. And my mom had a people magazine or something like that. And the mm-hmm. unit Lloyd Banks, dude, <laughs> was featured in that magazine that month or week or however they issue the magazines. And I was like, I'm just going to draw them. Who knows if I can do it? I don't care. I'm not doing anything. So I just, like the more I was drawing, I was like, oh, I can actually do this. My mom just looked at it. She was like, you did this? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh my gosh. Now, I'm not a natural artist because I tried to draw a picture of me. (laughs) I think I was like two or three eating ice cream on one of my birthdays. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And my dad looked it up. And he was like, you need to work on all this right there because that looks terrible. And I'm like, I'm learning, okay? So that's, that's what I remember um, specifically is high school was when I actually started to wrap my brain around art being a talent of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't till college where I was in an art class because I thought maybe I can do something with art in life <laughs> um, that they made us paint something. And I'm like, I don't know how to paint. I want to do this. Um, sure enough, I found that talent too. So it wasn't until college till I, um, when I started painting. Hope that answered your question. Yes. <laughs> when did you? Um, what was your your first biggest project biggest that you project. remember of? Um. Hmm. I want to say, if you mean literal, like biggest, like biggest size, right? Not like before the the mural. Like before what, the mural, it yeah. was not. There was not something really? before that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the time frame, but actually, yes. So when Michael Jackson died, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. (laughs) (laughs) When Michael Jackson died, I just felt all these emotions and I wanted to put it down on something like through art. And (laughs) I just remember I was freaking out because, you know, painting was very new to me, but I wanted it to be color because Michael Jackson was that big, a part of my childhood, I guess. Yeah. Um, so to me, that was the biggest one before the mural as far as like accomplishment-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I painted him, and it turned out really good, and I was surprised because not at all, please do not take this as racist, <laughs> but people of a darker skin tone are so much easier to draw and paint than someone who's lighter (laughs) and Michael Jackson was not the darkest of all people (laughs) so it was intimidating in that aspect too because I knew it was gonna be hard Mm -hmm. so that's why it was a a bigger accomplishment to me Um, but as far as size I did not explore something big until I happened to move to those apartments right in front of um, the skate park at the time and I was like, I want to learn how to skateboard. So I went over there, and he was talking, the um, skateboard owner, like the skate park owner was talking about, man, I just wish I knew an artist that can uh, paint on these walls. And I'm like, hey, I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, yeah, sure, let me see some of your work. And I showed him, he was like, oh, yeah, you can paint on here. And that's when I, that was the first time I actually thought about doing a mural. Like, it wasn't a dream of mine, like, oh, I want to paint on walls. It was just an opportunity yeah. given to me and that's what happened. So how much time did that take for you to do the mirror? Um, I cannot tell you an exact, exact number, but I'm thinking somewhere between 25 to 28 hours, maybe not in one sitting, yeah. of course, maybe three hours a day here for the next day, maybe one another day. Um, but I want to say it was between that time frame. If I could like look at my other stuff and kind of compare it, I feel like it'd be in that time frame. So where do you go? Because as a writer, I I don't know. It's weird. 
I just ask you, where do you go mentally? Like my mental palace, like Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Love that show. Um, You are you like Elementary or Sherlock? What is it called? The one with um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, Sherlock. That is my show. Everyone's listening. Please watch that. (laughs) Um, I honestly, when I paint, I'm either doing two things. I'm either teaching myself as I go because I don't do it that often. So a lot of times I may not be in a place, I just might be in the the actual task. Like, okay, how do I mix these colors together? How do I make this blend in? Like, I'm literally focusing. Like, I'm not in my own world just Mm -hmm. doing stuff. Like, I'm literally focusing because a lot of times I do learn as I go. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I learn as I go because I usually try something different with each one. or I'm just listening to music. <laughs> Literally just listening to music. I don't feel like I'm thinking about anything in particular. Um, I don't know if that's very different from what you do. I know it's it's difficult for me difficult for me to write when I'm listening to music. Yeah, I can see that because it's words. Yeah. With your words clashing with your words. And um, but when I'm writing, when I'm writing lyrics, like rap lyrics, mm-hmm. if I, I listen to the track. And then I said, okay, I got that. And if I keep playing it, it throws me off, so I have to stop it. And then I'll write. Mm-hmm. And cause I'm just recently learned the concept of bars and how that works. And the reason why I've always enjoyed certain artists is because they were able to take that format and fit whatever they have into that to the point where you're like, this isn't traditional, but it's flowing. Mm-hmm. And it's like a river with so many different rocks, but the river is still going downstream and eventually it's gonna fall off. And so with me, I I was wondering if you actually do listen to music, because I didn't know if it threw you off. Not at all, it keeps me going more so than anything. That's so weird. It, yes, because I don't know if there's a question that this will come up, but a lot of people don't know this about me because they see my talent and they're like, oh, she must be born to do this, like this is her calling. But I don't like to do it. Like, it's not my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's hard to explain that to people. They're like, why don't you like that? Like, you're good at it. And it's like, all right, well, I'm, well, Keevan wouldn't say I'm good at doing dishes. But <laughs> <laughs> someone can be really good at dishes. That doesn't mean <laughs> that yeah. they like doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so as long as I have something that is rewarding with the process like music for example mm-hmm. but if I don't have music I'm probably not going to paint for long it might be 20 minutes and I'm like I can't do this yeah <laughs> <laughs> because it's it can get stressful it's, it fun, it's funny you said that because when Kobe Bryant retired he decided to be a um, director and everybody's like what are you doing mm-hmm. and with every interview he had they asked him so when's the last he said man be honest I haven't picked up a ball in such and such time. If I do, it's because of this or that, but I don't just go out and play. Like, it just, like, he's dedicated to storytelling through, uh, he's been getting with um, top-notch directors. He named a few that, and he named a composer that actually composed uh, the theme song Superman, uh, John, I think it's John Williams. And he was talking about working with him. And I'm like, wow. 
And I was like, nobody would have assumed if you you look at his career. I mean, yeah. he was he was the next Jordan, or if not the Jordan of our generation. And all of a sudden, he decides to to stop and do something that he's passionate about. And like you said, it's easy for somebody to look at what you do. It's like you you're good at it, but mm-hmm. he was like, eh. Mm. I just know how to shoot a little bit. <laughs> I won a few games. And in your case, I just know how to paint. Yeah. I know how to manipulate colors and make things a little bit too realistic. Yeah, I can do that. And because um, my my question piggyback on that was, do you consider that at, at any point your safe haven, like your your place of of <laughs> solitude? I will say in high school it was because I feel like I was just figuring it out. And it, like, I like to problem solve. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I figured it out, it's like, okay, moving on. Um, So I think in high school it was like, oh, I'm just, you know, touching, you know, I don't know what phrase I'm trying to think of. What's the phrase? Like, you're just splashing in the water, not all the way in. What I'm trying to say is, I was just testing. (laughs) Testing the waters, yes. There you go. Testing the waters. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to see how far I could take it. Mm -hmm. Um, And this doesn't sound, well, it can sound prideful, but that's not the intentions I'm trying to say. Through the years, I've started to understand that as long as I put my mind to it, it's gonna get done. Yeah. And like obviously I can still be challenged, but sometimes I'm in the mindset where it's like, well, yeah, I can be challenged, but do I really wanna go that far? Like, it's hard to explain. Um, but back to the original question, I think before it was my escape from, you know, a lot of anxiety with as far as going out with people mm-hmm. and like beyond school. Yeah. Um but it actually, without being too transparent, it became the opposite of a safe haven, and it actually became an identity. And when it became an identity, um, there's a lot of, uh, sort of what I'm trying to say. I'll just give you an example, because I can't explain it in the right words. Um, when I would move to another school, instead of actually trying to make conversation with people, and this is going to sound so, just so ridiculous, but I would be a new student all the time. Even in um, here, actually, I came here my senior year of high school, and I'm like, man, I don't know how to make friends. Oh, I know. I'll just show off who I am. Showing off who I am, meaning let me just drop this random folder that has a picture of Dwayne Wayne on it that I drew in the <laughs> middle of the hallway and see who picks it up. <laughs> so I would drop it on the floor and someone's like, oh, cool, that's awesome. Did you do that? And so like, I would kind of expose my talent to get people to talk to me. So I started mm-hmm. to put myself in this like, uh, box that okay I'm an artist Mm -hmm. and then when people were not interested in me or didn't want to look at my art I would start saying oh what's wrong with me as a person yeah um so sometimes whether it was like what started off as a safe haven and then it became like just a thorn in my side 
to even now sometimes I struggle with okay are they really my friend or are they trying to like they haven't talked to me in such and such long and then all of a sudden oh they want this this artwork done so that's a um a battle I think the enemy meaning Satan if those who are listening don't know what I'm talking about I feel like he uses that lie to keep me away from my true safe haven which is Jesus and putting my identity in him um so I try specifically not to make it that in my life because of what had it what it has done previously. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> I um that's kinda of distracting. Um He's talking about the board. <laughs> There's a board in here, it's wondering something on it. Oh man. Um because at one point when I was when I was in high school, it's weird how most people that I've talked to, friends, all have mentioned some source of anxiety. And I didn't know that's what it was that I was feeling. But when, because it was easy for you to say, I don't want to do that, opposed to, I've tried it, I don't like it. But it was just a natural feeling that this, this isn't for me. I don't, these are a pair of shoes that I just don't want to wear. And that's how it was for, for me in high school. And because you either played sports, you were one of the <laughs> one of the pretty boys. Um, you're one of the the guys that just just rough. Like the guy, the girls would want to be with you simply because you were just a bad bad boy. Uh, you have the girls who were experimenting. Then you had girls who were open about experimenting you just had so many different groups and then you have yourself and it gets to the point where you're like I don't really I don't fit so where's my where do I fit where where is my my space in this this realm of adolescence well yeah teenagehood I guess and I felt like that was like what came to writing that was the only way I can express myself Cause I was I wasn't verbal, and I didn't realize how nonverbal I was until my sister pointed it out, and I was like, "Well, I really didn't say anything." And when it came to writing, that was the only way that I could say anything, and and that happened at a young age. But we get so caught up into different aspects of what we do that we don't focus why we do it and why we have the ability to do it. And it wasn't until college, because my mindset was, I'm gonna be a famous writer. I'm gonna be like the one cat that the class focused on for like two weeks and dissect the, the novel. That's what I wanted. Like I wanted that fame, I really did. And because we would talk about authors that I've never heard of before. And I'm like, man, like he's dead. He's been gone for <laughs> generations and his work is being recycled, sampled, and I'm like, he's, he's being praised. And I've never received that in any part of my life. So I wanted that. But when I got to school, I had to ask myself a question. Why do I do this? And I realized it was more therapeutic. So listening to you, I'm realizing that everything that we do leads back to the reason why we were created mm-hmm. and who created us. And for me, when I see your work, I'm always like, man, like only one person can give you this ability. 
and hearing you say like you don't you don't <laughs> when you don't like it that much mm-hmm. it was just I was like but it doesn't it doesn't bother me I'm just it's just so amazing to see that to see that why are you doing that you're teaching yourself and I was gonna ask you do you find yourself to be a perfectionist when it comes to this um I do sometimes yeah. so there's there's moments um where I think every artist kind of struggles with this it's like you finish something but is it really finished yeah like you you might have wrote this amazing uh poem and you're like okay but something's missing like mm-hmm. you go through this like why can't it just be complete you know what I mean like there mm-hmm. might be times where you're just like no it's, it's got to be better it's got to be better and um one of the books I want to read I have I've picked it up I have not started reading it yet but it it talked about just on the back of it which made me want to get the book is like as Christians we should we should um fight for excellence in our talents but not be a perfectionist so like excellence to honor God is great motives great intentions but when it comes into perfectionism which um we're never going to be that's when we start trying to make ourselves our own god with the whole perfectionism concept it's like i have to make this stand out because i have to be the one that's standing out there's so much pressure on me Mm -hmm. which is why it needs to be perfect because if it's not (laughs) then i'm not cool enough and then you know it's it's all selfish motives motives with perfectionism um but i think everybody probably struggles with that but it does come out more as an artist when Mm -hmm. you're actually tangibly touching something that you're working on like you can see it right in front of you whereas if you're not working on something like that your perfectionism might come out somehow at work like just the way that you do your job or um I don't know like working out stuff like that like there's there's certain things I don't know if that answered your question. I might have went on a different trail. <laughs> no, that was that was pretty helpful. Random, uh, what pen is that? That that is the uh, the office. What is it? Department of Juvenile Justice. Okay, that seems to be a popular pen design. Yeah. Because our church has that exact same pen, but it says something different. And it's it's complementary to the hand because it's it's like the perfect size to to use. And I've. This is totally random. I've obviously some odd reason always the pens that you don't normally use or the ones that you not look for always write the best. Which is why people get upset when you take them. <laughs> but yes. take away the fun out of it. Um I guess my next question would be other than people asking, making requests mm-hmm. for your work, what inspires your pieces? Um, is it something that you see somewhere else and say, man, I got a, oh, I got an idea. I want to do this or, um, sometimes a lot like lately, because now that I'm working full time and being married, like it takes a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, we talked about God giving us talents. Um, and I think even more so he gives us a heart to serve. So, um, I feel like circumstances really spark a desire to do it based on the sole fact of how can I serve this person in this rough time yeah. um, like funerals 
particularly I I don't know what it is about funerals, but it makes me want to draw something for the family member. Yeah. And um, like recently, we had somebody from our church die, and I I just instantly was like, how can I help her? her his wife, meaning. Um, and they had three kids all in grade school still, so it was it was tough. And my I mean my automatic thought wasn't painting, but I just knew that that was something that I can give her to bless her in this situation that not everyone else can do. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that inspires pieces. I think um, this happened a couple of times. For example, the Michael Jackson thing that I mentioned earlier. I mean, <laughs> that was for myself. I eventually gave that to somebody else. But um, I feel like this is probably common with a lot of artists. Like, a lot of artists kind of feed off of each other. Mm -hmm. um, I like to look at other artworks, artworks by artists, some I don't even know. I don't know who they are. I'm just <laughs> looking at Pinterest. But if I'll see something, like, I will start get, getting ideas like, oh, I love how they did that. And I, I like their style. I won't necessarily do whatever they um, had in their content. Mm -hmm. Specifically, like, let's say it was a giraffe or something. I may not do another giraffe, but I'll say I love that style and that would look great with this beach scene that I have in mind. Like, you know, I kind of piggyback off of other people's works and a lot of times it's like a combination of different things. Mm -hmm. I think, um, if I can explain, like for example, Adrian, mm -hmm. I talked to her about singing and she was saying how when she was younger, you know, she would... Um, love singing um, Mariah Carey, for example, and stuff like that. But eventually, it developed into her own style. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of influenced by her favorite artists from before. So it's kind of similar. It's like I get influenced by other artists, um, and I'll eventually come out with something of my own <laughs> concoction. <laughs> so, are there any artists that you admire, in specifically? Um. I really like urban artwork. A lot of them aren't really named by artists, like graffiti. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. actually, I just remember being in Boston, visiting, I guess, uncles and aunts. I can't remember who I was visiting in Boston. <laughs> but I just remember staring at the graffiti, like, I love graffiti. Like, I've always loved graffiti, because it just looks, like, it just looks like it doesn't belong, but yet it's so pretty. Like, clearly yeah. it was, I mean, it probably was just, terrible I don't even know what it was saying but I just loved like the way it looked um and I feel like that started my um taste for more urban art styles mm -hmm. and a lot of times my murals like I do like someone has told and I didn't know this until my mom said it she said Lauren you're always somehow painting very bold strong looking women and I'm like I do. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I I I was thinking about that earlier. Yeah, actually. I just I didn't notice that, and I think I still maybe need to figure out why, because I don't I wouldn't be able to tell you an answer why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what was the question? Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Inspiring what inspires pieces, right? Well, the the specific artist, but you name okay specific yeah, artists, yes. Yeah. Um, I really liked this one artist, his name is David Coe, um, but he completely, <laughs> I wish I didn't say his name now, but it's not terrible, 
um, I actually bought one of his art books that mm-hmm. discussed like who he was and all this stuff and I was like this guy's kind of a jerk <laughs> like he knows he's a jerk I'm not saying something that he doesn't know like he yeah. is a bona fide jerk and when I was reading this stuff I'm like that makes me sad because I love his art <laughs> it's like if I knew him I'd probably never you know what I yeah. mean like it was that was a hard moment um <laughs> but David Walker is another person he's a um He's an artist that does a lot of faces on like brick walls, stuff like that. He has his own little twist to his style. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think some, of some other ones. I, I love Banksy. I know a lot of people love Banksy. I was going to ask you about him. I love Banksy. Because um, when I, I got introduced to him, because he had a documentary on Netflix maybe a year or two ago. Yes. And I love his stuff. I was like, First of all, some how does he do what he does without somebody seeing him? <laughs> He's a ninja. Man. That's why. And um, so what do you think of his style as far as how he goes about presenting his art? I love it. I, and I love the fact that he's he kind of keeps a low profile because he does. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like he's... I mean, technically, the fame comes with his whole way of doing it but mm-hmm. I I don't think originally that's what he wanted I don't think he was doing it to expose himself I think he was trying to obviously give the public subliminal messages of mm-hmm. what's been going on I'm like that's so cool and some of them are just I mean I don't feel like they have a specific message <laughs> um, unless I'm just blind to it um, but I think what he's doing what he does is cool now Legally speaking, (laughs) it is illegal, and I would not do things illegal. I have actually thought about it before I was a Christian. There was a couple Mm -hmm. times where I was ready to just midnight somewhere, I don't care what, I was just tag this building, and then the coward in me at the time was like, (laughs) I don't want to get mugged. I don't know if I'm fast enough to run away from police, stuff like that, but... um, I wish it wasn't illegal. Obviously, I'm against that, but mm. it is amazing to look at. Yeah. I mean, I, I love his artwork. I have some decals, actually, on my laptop, not that one, of some of his work, and it's just on my laptop. I see it every day. He, um, he did one with bricks. He did a, was a Sphinx. It was a, um, I think it was a Sphinx. It's a famous face in the desert. Oh my goodness, it's overseas and the nose is cut off. But it's a um I don't know if I know that one. Sphinx. I think it's a Sphinx. But he did it out of just random bricks. And he it looked like it was heavy. It probably was. But people were trying to like buy it and stuff and I'm like, you can't if you move it it's gonna fall over. <laughs> so and he did one where um I think it was somebody had a a red balloon or something. Yes, the girl holding yes. the balloon. It's floating. And uh, he would use sometimes use the grass and the cracks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the one I was thinking of um, was this cleaning lady or maid or something like that, and she's sweeping stuff up, and she's holding. You know, it looks like she's holding up a cloth and trying to sweep it underneath the cloth, but it's mm-hmm. really like. 
on the wall and I can't remember if like something was painted in the background or if it was a hole in the wall yeah but that was that was one of the things I was like I don't know if that's a specific political statement <laughs> but I like it he um one thing that I do admire that he does is he causes the world to think mm-hmm. because so many people were like what is this this is so cool. Some people were, a lot of people put it on social media just to be doing it, mm-hmm. but it allowed you to be like, why? Why would he do this? And I felt like he was like standing up somewhere, looking down, saying, look at this, like this. But not to get the fame, mm-hmm. but like you said, not to expose someone in himself, but to actually cause self reflection upon the people that's looking at it. And to me, that was, that was, that was a very unique idea. And I remember looking at the mural that you did and the concept of femininity and the strength that comes behind it. That's what I thought that that represented. The specific one with the hair? Yes. And and for some reason, like over the last few years, people, and I'm not getting politics, but (laughs) the the concept of women being treated Mm -hmm. equal as men. And for me, it's always been, I'm thinking that that's the way it's always supposed to be because the women that I grew up with are like the strongest people I know. Not just strongest women, but the strongest people. People that I've inherited attributes from and that I fully admire. So to see something like that, I was like, I get it. But that could be intimidating to the average person or to the average male. And, but... I, I, I honestly, that was one of my favorites. And I understand about how you feel about exposing something like that and having somebody come to you, hey, can you do this for me? Or I'm, I want you to do this, do this, because um, this is a special occasion coming up and you have no idea who that person is. And if you continuously do that, the only connection you're establishing is a transaction. Mm-hmm. You're not establishing relationships. And I, I perfectly understand that. I've come across a lot of friends where they would publicly say that, hey, if you're not my yeah. friend or <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not going to, don't don't get mad, I'm not going to hook you up mm-hmm. because you get tired of that. Mm-hmm. So, and it makes you feel like you're, um, you're marketable in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, that, I perfectly understand that. Um, I think what's, like, helped me with that is the scent okay so everyone has some type of level of people pleasing because we're all not perfect true i think i've finally well for the past few years i've finally reached a level like i can't get mad at them like they don't even realize what they're doing or they don't they don't realize how they're coming off yeah um if they do they're very rude and that's (laughs) also not my fault um but i had to be okay with just saying no like just like they're not they're not worried about my feelings they just want what they want and it's if I have that um not trying to be stingy or rude but I can always say no um I think it's it's been hard sometimes where even when you have a relationship with that person and they want you to do it for free sometimes they I don't think they realize how much work goes into the actual artwork but if you're like hey you know and um I'm just gonna use an example of a somebody's name, Martha. Let's say Martha. Me and Martha are really f- like good friends, and she's like, "Hey, um, 
you want to can you draw my kid for me depending on what my circumstances are I might say yes I might pray about it and God will be like yeah I want you to do that I don't care if you don't want to <laughs> like if God wants me to do something it's up to me to submit to that and yeah. just like okay let me obey the Lord and actually do this for them mm-hmm. but then there's a the practical sense it's like they want me to do this for free and they want me to hook them up but they're expecting me to sacrifice too for that like I I have fun I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but I'm perfectly okay with charging people now. Yeah. Like, saying it up front, like, oh, I charge for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. <laughs> then, okay, there's that. Yeah. But um, that's how I personally feel now, like, when people say, hey, can you do this? Sometimes in my weak moments, I'm like, why do they only come to me when they want me to draw something? They don't talk to me and blah, 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 blah. That's my own battle that I have to get over. It's not anything against them. Mm-hmm. Um, but just saying no and letting people know up front that you charge um, and that if you want a professional transaction just like what you're saying then it's going to be a professional transaction like those are the boundaries that I've put as an artist Um, so much time we got hopefully enough okay um, I'll make you two questions hopefully we can do it in ten minutes okay Um, let's do it yeah, I'm going to say that for last. This okay. one, this one was uh, one that I'm curious about. A friend of mine posted a picture of, I forgot this poet's name, but they specifically wrote a bad poem. And I'm hurt, like, yes. specifically they, they wrote just wrote. A, they just wanted to write a bad poem. And like content-wise or just talent-wise? Like content... Both. Okay, so being... A poorly written poem mm. on something they should probably not be writing about. It was like she 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 sat down. And she said, "You know what? I'm gonna write a bad poem." Okay. To the point where like it's like it's bad, <laughs> and she read it. But she said, in the midst of doing it, she loved the experience of it. So mm-hmm. everybody was like congratulating her, and somebody came up to her and said, "Yo, I like the way you read it. That was a bad poem, but I like I like the way you did it." <laughs> And mm-hmm. her argument was, and she actually is famous because of posting poems via Instagram. And she has this book. And I think she partially believes that at one point as an artist, you should do what you do for yourself. Like you do this because this is what you want to do. And it sh- I think she partially thought that it shouldn't be accessible. Like it shouldn't be relatable. It shouldn't be put in a position where somebody else could read it and say, hey, I understand that. Oh, I feel that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were arguing, saying that that's not right because a lot of artists work hard on their pieces and in their work. And it's like she undercut it. And not only do she undercut it, she's getting paid to do that. So what is your feeling as far as art itself? When you do what you do, do you do it is a part of you saying I'm, I want to fully do this for me, or do you do it in consideration of the people that's going to see it? Um, I'm trying to think because it's a difficult question because I don't. It's been a very long time since I've said I want to do this because. I want it. Mainly being so because it's not my passion. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So it's hard to say, you know, if I want to do something for myself, it's not going to be art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to go to the beach for a day and yeah. chill. Like, that's something that I would want to do for myself. So it's hard to answer that question um, because it's just not a thought that I have that I want to use painting or drawing for myself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and a lot of times when I do art... I mean, as far as the question is concerned, it is for other people. Because um, a lot of stuff in my house, for example, I had thoughts to sell it, but my husband wanted to keep it. Um, so, I don't think I have done that, to answer your question. <laughs> I don't think that was one of my desires, not because... I don't believe that you should do things for yourself because you should mm-hmm. and there should be things where it's just like you know this is for something for me to understand only like yeah. I want this to be when I look at it I know exactly what's going on but if someone else were to look at it they can just be like I don't get it I don't even know why you chose those colors mm-hmm. like I think that's good for artists to have um, but me personally I have not done that so um does that make it hard to ask the other questions? No, 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 no. Okay. I wanted to ask you two questions because I really want to touch base on the second one. Okay. Um, this one is, in a nutshell, what is your passion? Like, because I recently learned um, a definition of pa- passion is to suffer. To suffer. And I asked, I asked myself, like, what am I willing to suffer for? And I thought about it. I said, it's is to write for God's glory. Now that sounds cliche, mm-hmm. but that's 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 what that's what I feel, especially over the last ten years, because my purpose towards writing has completely changed, and I realize because I've written two. I'm not ashamed to say this. I've written two very provocative, just nasty poems in my life. I remember them. Well, one for my girlfriend. And I want one just to be writing it. That first one I wrote, I got caught in class, and they called my mom. Oh, man. And my mom asked me to read it to her. And I couldn't get past the first stanza. Uh, so, that's yeah. hard. <laughs> uh, the second one, my brother took it to school and he got in trouble. So that was, <laughs> that was God's way of saying, this is not why I want you to write. Because mm-hmm. obviously you see what happens. So after that, I realized that if I can lead everything back to him through what I do, mm-hmm. that's what makes me happy, to be a cognut in this machinery that he's created. And, that's, and the older I get, the more satisfied I get with that. Because just to be a part of his plan, based off well, who I am, everything that I've done, I'm like, dude, this dude still want to use me. And that's, that's humbling. And I realized that's that's what I'm really to suffer for. And I guess my question for you is what it what is it that you're you're willing to lose sleep if you could? I know this I know this as far as your time. What what talent specifically or the reason why, like what you were saying to glorify God? If you can put all that into one ball, what would that be? That it would encompass all of that. Okay. Like, I don't want to copy your answer because I feel like it's very similar. Um, Because, 
I think what I talked about earlier is I don't like to do it, but and I use it in another example probably um, about submission to the Lord. And I think like serving others is a reflection yeah. of Him. Like He came down literally from a perfect environment to this broken earth, literally to die for us. And um, obviously, I'm not being tortured when <laughs> I'm doing this artwork. But it, it's not. It's not something I like. I'm. I hope I'm not beating the horse dead with that that phrase. But it, it is. It's. It's mentally hard to sit there and say, "Okay, I'm gonna do this for this person." But the, I. I feel like it is. It is um, something I suffer through to serve others. To be a mirror of Him, yeah. so so I do. I want to glorify God. That is my my main motive. I fall short from it all the time. Um, there are moments where I do battle with perfectionism, like what we talked about earlier, and sometimes my intentions are wrong. Um, but God always corrects me, and I do repent from that, and um, meaning turning from that. But um, even still, even if I do not have the right motives, he still uses it to glorify himself, which is his ultimate purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm not, try- again, I'm not trying to copy your exact <laughs> no, answer, no, I, I but it, it is very similar. And I think, um, I know we talk a lot about art, but I am trying to learn how to sing yeah. and do stuff like that for the same purpose, is to, to write music that will point people to God. Like, I don't want to sit in this box and say, okay, let me do painting so that people will see him. And they do. They see him because they see the talent, and they're like, oh, that must be a gift from God. Yeah. Um, but there are other things where I, I do work hard in, and I'm trying to, you know, pursue excellence so that it can stand out to portray a, a basic message, like with spoken word, too. Like, it's... The intent is to point people to Jesus, so yeah, that's the answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> it makes everything else easier. It does. You... Well, I want to say easier specifically, but it does keep me going. Yeah, like it points you in the direction that you should be going. Yes. And yes, yeah, so if you <laughs> doing abiding by God's will is not the easiest thing. No, it's not. It's hard. It's such a narrow narrow road and especially when you get in your own way yes so and I um if anybody that I, I've learned instead of blaming somebody else just blame myself and I know a lot of a lot of pastors thankfully they say before we can deal with all this other stuff that's going on what are we doing with ourselves because that's where it starts mm-hmm. so um but my my last question is just out of curiosity I've had a couple of friends that I've met that are um, freshly married, mm-hmm. and it's it's funny. Like my best friends, when they when I saw them in high school, like everybody knew they were gonna get married. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew they were gonna have kids. But I've actually had the ability, I had the privilege of watching them since they were man fourteen, maybe fourteen years old. So I was there when they broke up with each other. I was there when they went to high school, they were together, and they broke up again, and then they got married, and they had their kids. And I've seen, I've noticed changes in both of them. Mm-hmm. 
changed that I've actually I fully admired because they're still the same person. They're just growing. So, and it's going to be the last question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what changes have you noticed about not just yourself, but uh, your keeping your your spouse, uh, getting married? How how has that altered you all's path? Because I realized and I've learned that when you get married, you become one. So you're everything is parallel you're still going forward but mm-hmm. it's parallel now are, is everything synchronizing as far as you all's lives do you able to still do what you want to do but how, like, how does that work out for both of you I would say in a nutshell there is usually it's not picture perfect like all of a sudden the you know the wheels are turning and everything is just fitting right in the right spot you know like a mechanical wheel yeah Usually there's some type of like bolt that'll get in the way <laughs> and you feel like it's like the enemy wants you to feel like you're fighting against each other. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, we have two different perceptions. We have two different upbringings, which really comes with a lot of of the um, the resistance that I'm talking about. I hope I'm using the right terms. Um, but all in all like we are two people that are changing constantly yeah we're in a relationship just like what you're talking about you've noticed all these changes with your your best friends Mm -hmm. um like they're probably still going to go through changes and we are constantly changing god does not change so when keevan all of a sudden has a vision or i have a vision um a lot of times it's because um we don't we don't pray this all the time but we do pray that we can uh, give each other grace. Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, if he says an idea, and sometimes I'll be like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I'll have that resistance that I'm talking about. But, you know, later on, God will start changing my heart. And he might start changing my visions. Like, even recently, like, he, we both all of a sudden, similarly, around the same time, had a desire to create a blog. We haven't created it yet, and Kevin's probably more proactive at it than I am because he's already like researching how to do it and stuff like that. But God will literally put things on our heart that He wants us to pursue together. Yeah. Um, which is great because, like, blogging is something I had never even thought about, and all of a sudden it's on both of our hearts. Like that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Like without God being in the you know the midst of it um and like the other part of the question is you know i may not want to do a rap album or something like that but keevan can and that doesn't that doesn't affect our marriage personally Mm -hmm. because he's not gonna he's not gonna do like songs about things that are not okay with me because we have the same faith system like same beliefs and um ultimately trying to be in god's will so if he desires something he's already thinking ahead of like not ahead of me but he's already thinking like will this not only glorify god but will it honor my wife yeah so it may not be something that we're doing together side by side but i'm supporting him through what he wants to do if that makes sense yeah so um I hope I'm answering your questions <laughs> you directly, are, but yeah, I feel like yeah. sometimes I go on trails. No, no, it was um, um, 
But yeah, yeah we're, we're able to do our desires as long as it doesn't put each other in the back, like, seat. Yeah. Like, whatever we're pursuing should always come second to our marriage. Um, and a lot of times, because we we do want to go for the route, obviously, we want to go be in the will of God, God allows things to happen so that we can do it together. Yeah. Stuff like that. Well, um, I won't ask you any more questions uh, as far as, because I could ask you more, but... We're limited to that. Like I said, this I wanted this to be because I was curious myself, and the point of me doing this is to remind people just how human we are. Mm-hmm. I think we forget that. Because um, I've, I've I've expressed this before. The, the the purpose of this this podcast is to create conversation amongst each other to see the similarities that we share, opposed to. Um, stereotyping each other and placing each other in boxes. Um, especially during this time, it's creating a great sense of separation and that's not the primary goal. And when it comes to art, especially uh, visual art and something that I'm not particularly skilled in, it just always amazes me how well somebody does it and why and where it comes from. Um, a lot of people think that you, like this whole time I'm thinking that, oh, she had like a list, all these great art- artists that's come over throughout centuries and and she maybe has this background and that, but it's just you're, you're a, a, a typical person. Not saying that you're less valuable than everybody else, but you experience life just like we all do. But this is how you manage. This is how you, you lived your life. This is why you, you do art. This is what you're passionate about. And and this is what you experience and love doing your marriage. And this is what you're you're growing to be. And that's that's what I want to um enlighten people on is we do what we do because we were created to do this, but there's just a much bigger purpose behind it. And once you get exposed to that, things change. Mm-hmm. Your mind changes and your your drive changes. And then without you even trying, you know, changing the hearts of other people but instead of taking credit for it you're saying yo this is what god is leading me to do so if you're going to make any decision make sure you're give him the glory because that's the point of, of our existence but um i wanted to thank you for your time um i can't stress enough how uh talented uh this young lady is i've i've seen so much Every every time I, I see something new, it's like, man, what, <laughs> where does it come from? Um, I think the coolest thing was that recent uh, piece oh, that you, yes, yes, and to have something happen, and that's the, because that influence, you don't do that for yourself. You do it like this is. I think this is what this person may need. This is what I can give. Like you said, this is a contribution that I can give to this person to help them hopefully get through this. It's not going to be easy, but it's it's something that I can do. So um, thank you uh, for sharing that with me. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, again, this is episode 14 of The Glory in Our Stories. Just got through interviewing uh, Lauren. And um, 
if you all have any questions, you can email me. You can look me up on Facebook, Instagram. I'm not on Twitter that much. I don't know why. Kind of hard to say everything I want to say in 140 characters. So I try to leave that alone. So um, I guess that's it. Thank you all for listening. You all have a good day.